Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here, for fresh conversations. Got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by payers. From the glove to the claw, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, got your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. Uh, Calvin and I are uh, trying something new today. I am on the road in California visiting with family, so I'm streaming this all from my computer. If you can hear me, please let me know in the chat. If you can hear Calvin, let us know as well, and, and let's get started with the show. Happy Monday, Calvin. Happy Monday, Barry. How was your weekend? It was great. Uh, I did some traveling here to California, just been hanging out with the family, got to watch a little bit of basketball, not as much as I wanted to, but I'm, uh, I'm having fun here. That's good. Hi, Asha. Good to see you there in the chat. Can you hear us both okay? All right, Calvin. I think uh, we might as well just jump here right into uh, the weekend recap. Um, so first off... Let's uh let's start with Saturday's game. The Miami Heat visit the Boston Celtics for game 3 of the series. Miami ends up winning this game 109-103. We see a ton of guys coming out uh due to injuries in this game. Marcus Smart, uh we saw uh guys like Jimmy Butler leave at halftime, Tyler Hero. Uh most of the guys on the Boston Celtics at least were able to return to this game. We also saw Jason Tatum dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh Miami goes up big early in this game. Boston fights back and uh it really is the Bam Adebayo show. 31 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, a block. For Bam Adebayo, the dude had more points in the first half of this game than he had combined in game one and two. Uh, Calvin, what are just your overall thoughts on this game? Uh, well, my first thought is, you know, they, or you're welcome to the Miami Heat for listening to what we had to say on this podcast, that they needed to get Bam Adebayo more involved offensively, and they did it right from the beginning. They put him in space. They used him on the block. They used him in a variety of different ways. And uh, Robert Williams, of course, missed that game. It would have helped Boston to have another big body to use against him. But Al Horford is starting to realize that guarding Giannis and guarding Bam Adebayo are two completely different things. Giannis uses brute force to go right through you to get to the basket. Bam is incredibly quick and skilled uh, with great fakes, ball fakes. It's a very different style to have to guard for Al Horford. So th this series is now coming down to two things in my mind. At one, it's a battle of attrition. Both teams are really banged up. Um, so definitely the, seeing how the injury plays out or injury stories for both teams play out is gonna be really key moving forward. And number two is turnovers. Boston has pretty much outplayed Miami in more than half of the quarters played in this series. But the reason they're down 2-1 is because they've had turnover problems. In game one, it was that horrible third quarter where the Heat went on a 22-2 run to start the half. And then in this game three, Boston had, I think, 23 turnovers for the whole game. So if they take care of the ball and shoot well from the outside, Boston has a great chance to win. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just want to go over a few more stats here from the game. 17 points for P.J. Tucker, uh, 8 points for Jimmy Butler. He did leave uh, you know, at the during the first half, did not return due to that knee inflammation. Uh, after we're done recapping the weekend, we're going to break down a bunch of these injuries and, and where they currently sit. I mentioned Bam Adebayo. We saw Kyle Lowry uh, put up 11 points in this game uh, and play 29 minutes. He seems to be uh, almost back to himself 
Uh, Matt Strauss, uh, fi- or sorry, 16 points for him. Not much bench production in this game. Uh, we did see Victor Oladipo play 20 minutes. Uh, I think he started coming into the second half here. Uh, we saw Tyler Hero, as I mentioned, go down with injury. And then as far as the Boston Celtics go, uh, you know, I, I want to give some credit to Jalen Brown. Incredible performance for him in this game. 40 points, 9 rebounds, assists, a steal, a block. Unfortunately, he had 7 turnovers in this game. Uh, but he was the one that kept Boston in this. Only 10 points for Jason Tatum. We saw him grabbing his shoulder. It also looked like he was grabbing at maybe his right hamstring or right knee. Uh, we'll see exactly what happens there. Uh, Al Horford, 20 points, 14 rebounds for him. Marcus Smart, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists in this game. And I mentioned he also uh, went down with what looked like a pretty serious knee injury. Uh, but he came right back. Or sorry, an ankle injury. He was uh, limping a little bit, but he came back into the game. He got a standing ovation from the crowd. Uh, but Miami, you know, they started off really hot in this game. Um, Boston tried to battle back, but uh, Miami just had too much. They end up winning the game here, and, and they're up 2-1 in the series now. Yeah, you know, we talk, we're talking a lot about injuries, obviously, and for good reason. Um, when these two teams are at full strength, I believe Boston is the better team. However, Miami is the team that's more well-equipped to handle injuries, right? They're even dealing with more injured players than the Boston Celtics are in this series. But because of how deep they are, having a guy like Victor Oladipo who can come in and start the second half in place of Jimmy Butler, Boston does not have that kind of depth on their bench the ability to replace guys like Marcus Smart, like Robert Williams, like Jason Tatum, they, they just don't have that available. So it's definitely going to be a, a huge storyline moving forward for however long this series goes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we have another game today between Boston and Miami. We'll, uh, you know, talk about that here towards the end of the show, but I just want to hear your overall thoughts on the potential length of this series uh are you feeling more like five games maybe more like seven games where where are you at here at this point well again just like i said coming into game two of this series i felt like that was a pretty much a must win for the celtics if they lost that game two down 2-0 coming back home i felt like the series could have been over in five games they were able to knot it up then Again, this is basically the same position here for Boston. If they don't win this game, go down 3-1, going back to Miami for a game five, they're in big trouble. Um, But the good news for Boston is that, again, they have outplayed the Miami Heat for the majority of this series. They just don't have the wins to show for it. So they can definitely even this series up. uh, And I think they probably will tonight. Too many injuries for both teams. Uh, But if Smart and Tatum are both going to play, I think it was just announced on social media uh, not too long ago that Robert Williams is probably going to play tonight as well. So I think Boston can even this series up today. Awesome, awesome. Can we talk a little bit about this Peyton Pritchard foul on Jimmy Butler? Uh, He fell to the ground. It looked like he grabbed at Jimmy Butler's knee, uh, more like his kneecap. Uh, I don't know if he was just trying to get up or if he was, you know, trying to just, you know, tangle up Jimmy. We've seen this happen a few times throughout the playoffs. Eric Spolstra claims that this was not a basketball play. Um, What were your overall thoughts on on that play? Well, it definitely looks to me like he's trying to to use Jimmy Butler's leg to pull himself up. Um, It's it's different. It looks different to me than the Jordan Poole leg grab on John Morant. I'm not saying that that play was a dirty play by Jordan Poole. We've already discussed that on this show. Um, I agree with Eric Spolster. This is not a basketball play. However, to me, I don't know if it qualifies for a dirty play either. It's just a very weird thing. He clearly looks like he's trying to to use Jimmy to pull himself up off the ground Um, And he ends up just pulling Jimmy's leg out from under him. He grabs him above the knee. It's more on his quad or his thigh area. Um, So it's it's not a basketball play. It's definitely a foul. But I I don't know if you can really consider this a dirty play either. I I think those can be two different things. 
do you think this could in any way contribute to the fact that Jimmy Butler left the game due to knee inflammation? It's certainly possible, but I find it unlikely. I think that Jimmy's knee has already been bothering him well before this play. Again, Peyton Pritchard grabs him up around the thigh. Maybe when Jimmy falls to the ground, he lands on his knee and that, you know, aggravated something. But I find it hard to believe that the the simple act of Peyton Pritchard grabbing his leg, just like Jordan Poole grabbing John Morant's knee, um, had much of an effect on the injury itself. Okay, okay, I I get that. I don't want to dive too deep into this series because we're going to be talking about the injuries here in a second, and then we're going to give a preview of today's game. So real quick, do you have anything to mention about this game here on Saturday before we jump into a, a Sunday's uh, thriller? Uh, well, just that, again, this it's a must-win game for Boston. They're at home, um, and with everybody that is hurt in this series, you're going to have to pay close attention You know, in the first quarter, first five minutes of this game to see is Jason Tatum okay? Is he going to have problems shooting? You know, a pinched nerve in your neck or if it's towards the right shoulder area of his body, every time you go up for a jump shot, that's going to seriously affect it. So pain management, you know, how is Marcus Smart going to look? He's come back from injury twice now. Both times he's managed to play reasonably well. And again, Robert Williams is going to have a big impact inside, another big body that can uh, bang inside with Bam Adebayo great for rebounding and rim protection. Um, so I, I think Boston can even this series up, but you're going to probably know within the first six to eight minutes of the game just how healthy people are and and whether the game is going to be an ugly game or not. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, we're late in the season now. These guys have been playing a ton of basketball games. Everybody's banged up. We're starting to see it now on the court. Uh, and this is playoff basketball, bottom line. All right, so let's go over Sunday's game. Uh, this game is the first game of the series in Dallas. I think you and I both predicted uh, the Mavs to win this game. Unfortunately, they fall 109-100 to the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are now up 3-0 in this series. 10 points for Draymond Green in this game. 27-11 and for Andrew Wiggins. 31 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists. For uh, Steph Curry, 19 points for Klay Thompson, 10 off the bench for Jordan Poole, 20 points for Jalen Brunson, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists for Luka Doncic, and 26 points off the bench from Spencer Dinwiddie. Kind of similarly to the Saturday game, the Mavs started off really, really slow in this game. Uh, They were able to, you know, at least try and make a comeback uh, later in this game. Luka Doncic is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, That three that he hit at the end of the first quarter was incredible uh, and and really exciting to watch. But Calvin, I I just want to hear your thoughts on this game. And uh, I think that we can both agree that uh, this series is, is pretty much over at this point. Yeah, this series is over. Go figure. The the first time I picked Dallas to win in nine playoff games and, and they end up coming out very flat uh, to begin the game. I thought it was very different from game two on Saturday. Dallas was up 19 at halftime in that game. They were really controlling it. They were playing well in front of their super fan, Mike Monticello, who was in <laughs> attendance back in San Francisco. That was the game that they should have won, right? They, they shot really well from outside, 19-point lead at halftime. Draymond fouls out in that game, but Kavon Looney was the guy that kept Golden State in it until Steph was able to get hot at the end there. The Warriors had a huge fourth quarter. They have dominated the fourth quarter in the postseason so far. Um, and then in game three, you know, we expect role players to play better at home, right? That's been Dallas's MO all season long. They got 86 of their 100 points from three guys in this game, only 14 points from everybody else that played any minutes in this game. Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleber, and Davis Bertans are combined one of 18 from the field. That's not going to get it done against a team like the Golden State Warriors uh, who share the ball so well. They had 28 assists in this game. 
Um, yeah, it, it's just too much to overcome for Dallas. I just go back to what we talked about before this series started, how the Warriors operate a completely different way than the Utah Jazz and Phoenix Suns do. Dallas was going to have trouble adjusting to that. And Andrew Wiggins has been so, so good for Golden State in this series. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it multiple times that this Dallas team is a live by the three, die by the three. These games where they just shoot horrendously from three-point range, 0 for 7 for Reggie Bullock uh, and 0 for 5 from Maxi Kleba. And, and two threes from Bertons or two attempts didn't make a single one. Uh, so... This team really needs to just make some shots here. I want to know from Mike, uh, you know, what kind of glue you ended up using at the game because I did not see you glued anywhere. Uh, wish I was. I also want to give a couple shout-outs to some people here in the chat. Asha, what's up? Progressive G, Mike, Ivan, Matthew, thank you guys all for joining us. Uh, we're kind of in a, a mobile format here. I'm on the road. I'm in California. Calvin's back in the studio, so uh, we're just... Uh, trying something out. If you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, or anything about that, let us know in the chat. Uh, we will be doing this podcast all week long, uh, so uh, we will continue to do it. If there's anything we can do to help improve your experience watching, please let us know, and and we will definitely try our best. Uh, back to this game here. You mentioned Andrew Wiggins. Did you see that dunk by him on Luka Doncic? I think everybody in the world has seen that dunk <laughs> at this point. Whether you saw it live or you saw it after the fact, you've seen that dunk. Yeah, it was it was a pretty incredible dunk. Uh, not If you just watched the highlights uh, and you didn't watch the game, you probably wouldn't know that uh, it was called an offensive foul and it was actually taken yeah. off the board. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Because we did see him lead with the left arm a little bit. He cranked it back. It was an exciting play. Unfortunately, it didn't count, but I just want to hear your thoughts. Not an offensive foul, in my opinion. Um, I think there have been, I've seen lots of other dunks. You know, yes, he does kind of clear a little room with his off arm, um, but he doesn't extend the arm. I, you know, you see guys push people completely out of the way sometimes when they're going in for a play like that. It was a spectacular move. And what actually is not going to get talked about on that play is how he ended up with that opportunity. The, the ball movement on that play was incredible. You had it swing from one side of the court all the way around to the other. A great drive, baseline drive by I think it was Jordan Poole, kicks it out. There were six or seven passes on that possession before Andrew Wiggins finally got the ball with enough room to, to drive in for that dunk. So it just fully illustrates that one play. Um, how the Warriors operate offensively. It's really beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I also got to apologize to Mike Monticello because I actually took his Mavericks uh, to win this series and move on to the finals. And uh, I think I broke my, my curse because I, I had been, uh, you know, picking against them the entire playoffs and they're proving me wrong. So uh, maybe this is a flip-flop, but I'm going to call the Warriors to win this series now and maybe that will help push the Dallas Mavericks towards a victory. Uh, I know coming down or coming back from from 3-0 is, is pretty much impossible, but we have seen the Warriors up 3-1 in a series before and lose. So, you know, there always is potential there. Uh, I think you wanted to discuss the Luka Doncic, uh, Draymond Green, Steph Curry beef and, and kind of... Uh, the continued beef we've seen Luka Doncic have with all sorts of players throughout these NBA playoffs. Uh, so what did you want to discuss about that? Uh, I just find it, you know, interesting. It, Luka is, he's still so young, right? And he, he is one of the bright shining stars in this league. But he seems to be, especially as he continues to move along in the playoffs, you know, this is the first year that he's gotten out of the first round. He seems to be making a lot of enemies for himself amongst the league. And I, I don't even necessarily mean that as a bad thing. You know, this we've seen this happen going back decades in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas is probably the first person that comes to my mind. Um, he, he was not well liked around the league, especially when this Pistons teams got into postseason series against the Celtics, the 76ers, the Bulls, all that stuff, even the Lakers when they made it to the finals. Um, Luca kind of has that same feeling to me where he, he is 
I, I go back to what we talked about before these conference finals started and, and you were listing that article that had one word to describe every team and the Dallas Mavericks word was chill. <laughs> this is not chill. Um, and yeah. again, that's not a bad thing, but I just find it interesting um, to, to watch Luca go about his business. We, we already know that he complains a lot to the officials. He did this earlier this season say that he was going to try to be better at that. And I think for the second half of the regular season, he was much, much better. Um, but the playoffs are a different animal. Obviously, there's more at stake. You get more frustrated. I think he's frustrated, too, that he doesn't have a ton of help on this team either. So it's just an interesting storyline to see it play out. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, you know, this guy, it's battle for him out there on the court. Uh, making enemies, you know, maybe you make enemies off the court, or sorry, on the court and friends off the court. I'm not really sure. But I actually love this attitude for him. You mentioned an all-time great in Isaiah Thomas. I think there's quite a few other guys in NBA history, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett. Um, some would even say guys like Kobe Bryant or, or some of these other guys, Michael Jordan, that literally did not give an F about the t uh, other team they were playing. All they cared about is getting a victory. Uh, I think this is a great attribute from a team leader. Yes, he does need to be uh, careful, you know, when picking up technicals and stuff like that. But uh, I think that this is a great attitude to have. And I think that this will actually propel him towards a finals appearance. Maybe not this season, but in the next few years. And uh, I actually do expect Luka Doncic to win a championship. I know that's a very bold and a hard prediction to make because there's so many outside factors. But just, you know, the talent I've seen from him, the skill, the mindset, you know, the, the drive to get better and, and all this stuff. I think you put all those together and you have a great start towards an NBA championship. But you're right. He just needs a little bit more help on this team. Uh, you know, I'm excited for the Mavericks to get eliminated, not because they will be out of the playoffs, but because then you and I will have a chance to sit down, look at the roster, uh, make some suggestions as far as offseason moves and things they need to improve on. Because uh, this team has a great, bright future ahead of them. Uh, they just need to figure out a way to add some more talent. They have a great owner who loves to spend money and he loves to win basketball games. So I, I unfortunately think they're going to lose this series, but I expect to see them in the NBA Finals very, very soon. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I do think that they definitely need to get Luka another big-time player, though, on this team. Jalen Brunson has been great for them this year. He's really had a breakout postseason um, and Spencer Dinwiddie has been inconsistent, but really, really good also at times for them. They need another star player on this team, though, if they're going to win a title. Yep, yep, I agree. And uh, we will see game four on Tuesday, whether Luka gets swept here in the Western Conference Finals or if they can hold on, get a little bit more experience, maybe not win the series, but make it a series. Uh, so we will definitely see. Let's talk about injuries a little bit here, Calvin, because we saw a ton of injuries over the weekend. We saw guys leave the game. We saw guys come back to the game. Uh, so just kind of going over things real quick. Uh, Jason Tatum, we saw him with a shoulder injury. He is probable for game four tonight. Uh, Smart, Marcus Smart uh, and Williams are both questionable for this game. Otto Porter Jr. is doubtful for game four for the Golden State Warriors. Um, and the Heat... Uh, are dealing with quite a few injuries. I know Jimmy Butler is expected to play tonight. Tyler Hero is out. Uh, any other injury updates for us? You mentioned all the the most notable ones. Um, I, I just I think it's funny the way that teams will report these injuries to the the, the official injury report, right? Because uh, if you look at the Miami Heat, everyone on their team it says that they are trending towards playing. Does that mean they're questionable? Does that mean they're <laughs> doubtful? I, you know, I just find the verbiage that is used in the injury report to be quite interesting. And I don't uh, find it surprising at all that the Miami Heat are the team that is twisting the words around, um, uh, you know, when they list their injury report compared to anybody else. But as of right now, it looks like the Celtics, all their guys are going to be uh, a go for today's game. 
and Miami, they're going to be with pretty much everyone except for Tyler Hero. So, uh, again, watching that first quarter, seeing how guys are moving out there, looking to see if anybody is coming up a little gimpy or uh, maybe shying away from contact at all because they're feeling a little hurt, you might have an inside track to see how the rest of the game is going to go. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I heard that was a little subtle shot at Miami uh, and their <laughs> injury reporting there. Uh, I, I think the league is definitely keeping their eye on this. And, and I expect to see some rule changes potentially this offseason or, or like you said, maybe some clarity on, on what we uh, on what the words or the verbiage they can use to report mm-hmm. injuries. I know for me in fantasy football, just a few years ago, you know, they got rid of the questionable tag, right, in football, and it became either probable or out. And so yeah. maybe the NBA will look to do something like that. Um, but uh, I think having a more uh, systematic way of reporting, maybe a more uniform way that all teams report uh, could benefit other teams, the league, and, and actually the fans as well. Because if you're buying tickets to tonight's game, obviously it's a playoff game, and if Robert Williams is out or or you know another guy is out uh, that's not going to affect you as far as going to the game but a lot of fans go to regular season games to see a specific player and if that player is listed as uh, questionable or day-to-day or, or something like that they that could impact their ability to go see the game absolutely and another thing uh, that we haven't really talked about yet you did mention his name when we were talking about Saturday's game three but Kyle Lowry did come back for Miami. We saw him try to, to make a comeback in the Philadelphia series, and he did not look good at all. He looked much, much better in this game three. So if he continues to get more and more healthy, again, that's just another uh, body, another reason why the Miami Heat depth might be able to outlast some of these injuries for the Boston Celtics. Yep, yep, I agree. All right, so... Other news, the Dallas Mavericks have been fined $100,000 for their third violation of, of the bench uh, basically encroaching on the court. Uh, the funny thing about you know the photo that was going viral online is none other than Mark Cuban was sitting there, or sorry, standing there, literally inches away from the court. Uh, you and I talked about, I think just last week, about you know changing the court size, uh, stuff yeah. like that. The three corner three point line uh, that seems to be the person that would be impacted most uh, is the corner three point shooter by these guys encroaching on the court. Uh, we also talked about you know reporters being too close and players uh, getting injured, going after loose balls, stuff like that. Uh, this is the third time. Uh, what are your overall thoughts here? Well, I'm still not quite sure what to officially make of it, but I, I do notice a huge difference in the way Dallas's bench go, goes through a normal game as opposed to everybody else's bench. I mean, a lot of times you'll see the bench stand up, you know, and, and guys kind of moving closer towards the court when their team is on the other side of the court. You know, they're trying to yell out either defensive uh, calls or they're, if the team is on offense, they want a better look at things. Dallas seems to be standing the entire time, whether the, the play is on their half of the court or not. Um, and we've also seen Theo Pinson start of, sort of make a, himself a big distraction in this series without even playing. Uh, he was wearing a white shirt in game three. Steph Curry thought he was a, a member of the Warriors team, so he threw the ball to him straight out of bounds. It, it actually became a big deal because the officials went to Theo Pinson before game four started and told him he had to change his shirt. He was wearing another white shirt. They asked him to change his shirt because of the color. He actually refused to do so. Um, so this is becoming maybe a bigger deal than people think it might be. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty funny there. Uh, also want to give a shout out to Steph Curry. I saw him arriving in Dallas today to do media obligations. He was wearing a Board Ape Yacht Club hoodie, so gotta give a shout out to Steph Curry for that. But you're right, that's a real issue. You know, we've seen it in, in pickup basketball, right? Or or you know, multiple occasions where people are, are very hard to tell who's exactly on your team based on the colors that you're wearing. 
for me, the most surprising thing about this situation is like, how is this happening now? Like, this should be something that was written about or, or outlawed a long time ago. If your bench is wearing the same colors as the players on the other team that are on the court, like, that to me is an obvious no. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on that. I, I, I can't really bring myself to say that you should be able to tell a guy who's not playing in the game at all he can't wear a specific color shirt. But I think you can tell him that you have to be either at the end of the bench seated or, you know, you can't be right next to the play when it's happening like that. It, so it, there is a, a thin line to cross here. I think another um, important point to discuss here is we've praised Jason Kidd a lot, right, for how he's coached this team all season long, the adjustments yep. he's made in the postseason. I think a lot of people are really starting to give him credit as a big-time head coach in this league. But does this bench uh, issue, is it directly related to him at all? I mean, remember in Brooklyn when he did the hit me with the cup yeah. thing, right? Bump me, to try yeah. to gain an advantage. Is this the same kind of thing? Is he telling the bench to do this intentionally? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think uh, back in his day when he was playing, that would be called a, a veteran move. Right. Um, just, yeah, just interesting perspective there. On the topic of Jason Kidd, uh, you know, you and I have given him a lot of credit this season, and I think a lot of people have, uh, right after a failed stint in Brooklyn, a, a failed stint in Milwaukee. Uh, he seemed to have turned around this Mavericks franchise or team. They win their first playoff series since they won the championship back in 2011. I want to hear your thoughts on, on Jason Kidd, his coaching legacy, what this potential loss or likely loss to the Golden State Warriors means for him. Uh, I don't think this is going to affect his job security. Uh, Mark Cuban does not strike me as a guy that's willing to bail on, on a head coach after one season, especially after all the, the productivity that he's had. Um, but, but what does this mean as far as, as Coach Kidd's legacy as the coach as opposed to Kidd the player? Well, I think it puts a slight question mark on it now. I mean, again, I don't think you really take anything away from what he's done with this team all year long. The Mavericks have super overachieved, in my opinion. When you look at their roster, the trade that they made at the deadline for Porzingis, that, that was a head-scratching trade at the time for me. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily getting rid of Porzingis, but the guys that they brought in to replace him. They've doubled down on this small ball. He really can coach. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But these other little things, you know, if, if they continue to happen, they do add up over time. And they definitely will leave an impression on what people think of him as a person and as a coach. Again, I, I'm not saying that he's it hasn't officially been uh, foretold that he is telling the bench to operate this kind of way. But if you see this stuff over and over and over again, you know, as a head coach, if my team was flagged for any of those things, that would be one of the first things I addressed to the team the next day. Yeah, uh, it doesn't seem to be something that they're worried about. Maybe now they'll be a little more careful that they've actually been fined for it. But um, you, so you know, basically in the big picture of things, I don't think that this really means much as to whether or not Jason Kidd can coach. He's definitely a good coach, but. Again, the more that this stuff, this type of thing tends to happen with his teams moving forward, the more people will talk about it and the, the bigger deal it will become. Yeah, and, and he might not be telling them to do that, but as the coach, you are in charge. You've got to tell them not to do exactly, it. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. You, you're the ultimate uh, party that's responsible. So I'm a little mixed here as well. I, I really like Jason Kidd. I think he's finally, uh, you know, found the right place for him to be a head coach. He's found the right way to succeed. Uh, I think he's done a lot of positive things this season. But yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason. Maybe some more rules will be made, stuff like that. We know how much we love rules here. Uh, but, you know, sometimes they are necessary when guys push the boundaries over and over and over again. I don't think this will tarnish Jason Kidd's legacy as of now. However, if things like this continue to happen, 
uh, you're just asking for a, a huge incident to happen, whether it's a, a brawl, whether it's uh, a player landing on a player on the sidelines yeah. and injuring themselves yeah. or that player. Uh, I think we saw it in the NFL, right? Where like Sean Payton got hit by a player on the sidelines, broke his leg, you know, yeah. stuff like that. I'm not saying it's going to tarnish his legacy now, but it's something he needs to keep an eye on because it, it could snowball into something much, much bigger. Absolutely. I agree. All right. Next up, let's talk a little bit about Steph Curry here. I mentioned he did show up today in a Board Ape Yacht Club hoodie. Uh, shout out to him for that. Um, they might sweep the Mavericks here and go on to make it to the finals again. Uh, this, I think, will be their fifth time in the finals and they will compete, be competing for Steph Curry's fourth championship. One of the major knocks on Steph Curry uh, has been his, I guess, not inability, but just the fact that he has not won a Finals MVP award. Uh, a lot of people say, well, Kevin Durant was the best player on those teams. And, and you know, the first championship, well, it was Andre Iguodala, and he locked down LeBron James and, and all this stuff. This gives Curry another chance at it. Um, I, for one, think that if the Warriors do win the championship, Curry will win the finals MVP award. But that story is still yet to be told. I just want to know what you think this fourth championship means to Steph Curry's career, uh, what it means to his legacy and having a shot at finals MVP and, and whether that really even matters to him. Well, whether it matters to him or not, the finals MVP, I, I don't think matters to him whatsoever. Sure, he would love to win it. I mean, what player wouldn't love to win that? that that's kind of what kids dream of when they're uh, playing basketball at a young age, you know, being crowned champion at the end of the year and, and being named finals MVP. That's like a, a childhood dream of every basketball player. Mm -hmm. But at this point in his career, he, he just cares about winning rings, I think, ultimately. Steph might be one of the most, if not the most, unselfish superstars that professional sports has ever seen. Um, I think his greatness, whether or not they win another championship, is already cemented in my mind. You know, what does it do for your legacy? Obviously, every time you win another ring, it puts you into a different tier, a different elite group of people uh, until you get to a point where you're by yourself. Um, and so this will add to that obviously it will add to his greatness it gives him the same number of rings as lebron james um or potentially gives him the same number but uh in terms of finals mvp and what that does for his legacy he doesn't need to win a finals mvp to be considered one of the greatest players that's ever played in my opinion he's the only unanimous mvp in nba history uh, multiple multiple rings the greatest shooter that's ever lived. It, this guy's legacy has already been written. He would just be added, adding to it at this point. Yeah, I agree. Also ties Shaq. And, uh, you know, maybe this just gives the haters less ammunition to use against uh, tearing him down in his greatness. But uh, it's pretty amazing to see Curry uh, potentially go into his fifth NBA Finals and have uh, the shot at another ring. Just a few years ago, uh, we would have thought that he would have had maybe six rings by now. Then they have all these injuries. Um, or actually, no, this is his sixth finals, right? Because they lost to yeah. uh, the Cavaliers uh, and to, um, oh, what's that other team? Not the Bucks. Oh, the Raptors. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, they got derailed by injuries, a lot of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it, it's... It's a good story. It's a feel-good story, and it uh, you know it it shows a lot of people out there, especially younger people, that you know no matter what happens in life, even if you're on the very top, you can tumble, you can fall, and if you work hard enough, you can get back there. So it's a great story for him, great story for basketball, and uh, it'll be a really exciting uh, this uh, NBA final. So I I'm definitely stoked to watch that. It's a really a testament to the organization in general, right? Yeah. I think, you know, obviously they've got great players, Hall of Fame players, um, and they wouldn't be in this position without those guys. A lot of people may not like the Warriors as a team. They may not like the organization, um, but you have to give them props for how they run their team. Mm -hmm. 
to come out of having all those horrific injuries, losing Kevin Durant, um, the moves that they made in order to stay relevant. So when all these guys finally came back, they could make another championship run is really, really impressive. And the situation they'll be in after this season, whether they win another title or not, um, you know, they've got a championship level core that's already better than most teams when healthy. And they have a young core that's better than what most rebuilding teams are doing. They're in maybe the best position of any team in the NBA, despite the fact that they have a ton of money committed to some players. Mm-hmm. But I, I just give my hat goes off to all the guys that run that organization because they do a fantastic job. Yeah, top to bottom. It's uh, one of the best organizations in the NBA, hands down. In other news, Marcus Smart wins another award. An award that uh, you and I, as much of basketball fans as we are, we did not know this award existed. Uh, And that is the NBA Hustle Award. He officially wins the 2021-2022 NBA Hustle Award. This is his second time winning the award. It first debuted in the 2016-2017 season. Patrick Beverly was the first winner of the award. We see Amir Johnson win the award the second year. Marcus Smart won it back in 2018-2019. Then Montrez Harrell, uh, Thaddeus Young won it last year, and then Marcus Smart wins it again this year. I think you and I both uh, can agree here that it's well-deserved by Marcus Smart. He is one of the hardest-working players on the court at all times. And, uh, you know, defense takes hustle. That's one of the most important aspects of defense. He wins the Defensive Player of the Year award this season. Calvin, is this another participation award? Is this uh, just another award that the NBA seems to be adding every single year? And uh, I just want to hear, you know, what you think about the NBA Hustle Award and and whether this waters down some of these other uh, awards. Um, yeah, I think it, it does to a, a certain degree. I don't know how much of a degree it does. Um, I think that you can make a reasonable case for why this should be an award and how it can be different from the defensive player of the year award as well. Um, but I, I do think that we are starting to rapidly go down that rabbit hole of, you get an award, you get an award, you get an award. And there, there's just a few too many of these things at this point. Certainly there's so many great players in the league that do a lot of different stuff well, uh, and it makes sense to honor them for different reasons. Um, but we're right on the line, I think, of there being way too many of these things. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's always good to get honored, especially uh, you know with a award like the Hustle Award, because when you hustle on the court, you're usually rewarded with rebounds, uh, you know, loose balls, stuff like that. But you're not really honored or, uh, you know, if you're a casual fan, uh, you don't really recognize the hard work that people put in. So it's good to have people, uh, you know, rewarded for the work they do. But at the same time, you and I, avid basketball fans, this is the first time we've heard of this award. Uh, yeah. which, you know, maybe that's our fault for not staying involved. I mean, it hasn't been around that long either, but yeah. still. So, you know, winning an award's great, but if no one even knows that you won the award, uh, yeah. you know, you can go with that whatever way you want. But congratulations to Marcus Smart. Much deserved. And do uh, uh, you think Joel Embiid's upset about this one? <laughs> well, Philadelphia will probably come out with their own award for him tomorrow. <laughs> But uh, I do want to mention real quick, you know, in college football, we see a lot of teams do something like this, but it's done a little bit differently. They get these stickers that they put on their helmets, right? Yeah. And it can be for a variety of different things. You make a big play in a game. um, You do something really well in practice, hustle plays, all of that stuff. Maybe the NBA should go that route and add some sort of, you know, emblem or, or something to the jersey every time a player does something really cool like that. We saw the chain too, right? What what team is that? They they wear oh, the, the turnover chain. chain. Yeah, that a f- bunch of teams are doing that now. Yeah. I think Miami University of Miami was maybe the first team to start that. But that's great. All right, I think we wrapped up the entire weekend and and got everybody up to speed here. Let's talk a little bit about today's game. Uh, this is game four of the Heat 
uh, Celtics series. It's back in Boston. Miami's up 2-1. Uh, looks like Jimmy Butler is going to play. Kyle Lowry is going to play. Max Struss is going to play. Gabe Vincent, P.J. Tucker, all these guys on the injury report outside of Tyler Hero are going to be available and play today. Uh, it also looks like all the Boston Celtics players will be available as well. Boston is favored by seven in this game. Um, what are you thinking here? Well, my first thought is seven is a lot for a team that just got pretty much dominated for three quarters on their home floor uh, and is pretty banged up. Uh, so I'm surprised to see the spread be that large. I know Jimmy Butler is maybe not 100%. It's going to be really interesting to see how these guys look, as I have mentioned already, you know, within the first quarter. <clears throat> I'm really interested to see will Miami continue to give Bam Adebayo opportunities on offense to score like they did in game three. He was a completely different player. Uh, I think that he holds one of the big keys to this series for Miami. Um, and then for Boston, how are they going to adjust to Bam if, again, he is one of the, the main focal points on offense? Because up until this point, Miami's pretty much been operating with give Jimmy Butler the ball in space mm -hmm. and kick out to these shooters for wide open threes. Bam makes the Celtics have to defend every area of the court, the middle, the paint, and the three-point line, which makes it much, much more difficult on your defense. So I'm interested to see how that storyline plays out and can Boston make better decisions with the basketball. If they cut down on those stupid, careless turnovers, they give themselves a much, much better chance to win the game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Bam Adebayo, we saw him get going uh, in game three. Can he continue that? Miami's probably going to need that if Jimmy Butler's not his normal self. I'm also looking at a bunch of these bench players. Yes, Tyler Hero's out in this game, but Miami has been known all season long for having these guys that can shoot the three exceptionally well. We haven't seen a lot of bench production from them, especially from the three-point line. Uh, Boston, you know, we talk about their defense. Uh, just looking at you here on the screen, it looks like you're a Boston fan because you got this green background behind <laughs> you, and maybe that's who you're, you're rooting for today. But um, I'm looking for the three-point shooters, the role players, to get more involved for Miami. Uh, Boston's going to try and muck it up, make it more difficult for them. But the law of averages have to catch up to some of these great three-point shooters at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. And I want to see if we're actually going to get a, an even game the whole way through. This whole series has yep. been one huge run after another, back and forth by each team. Games two and three... Uh, really weren't close at all until the very, very end. So will we get a more competitive game for here in this series? Who you who you taking tonight? I'm going to take the Celtics because, uh, again, I expected this series to go seven games probably before it started, and I also picked Boston to win the series. So I, I will take the Celtics here in game four for a bounce-back home win. Interesting. Uh, Boston yeah. is undefeated after a loss uh, in the playoffs this season as well, including the only win at Miami in the postseason this year. So the uh, the odds are in their favor. Yeah, I think I, I think I probably agree with you on that. Uh, for me, the main thing I'm looking for in this game is what's going on with Jimmy Butler, right? Like he came out in the first round series due to knee inflammation. Missed a couple games. Miami was able to close it out without him. He returned in the second round. It didn't seem to have any lingering issues. Played incredibly well, especially in Philadelphia in that closeout game. How is he going to perform in this game? It's just knee inflammation. That could be a variety of different things. Uh, we've seen knee soreness in the past. Um, so if Jimmy Butler is able to play this entire game here, um, is he going to be effective? Is he going to be the Jimmy Butler that we know? Because if he is, I got Miami winning this game. But I do have my doubts when a guy exits a game at halftime and they announce right away that he is not coming back in that game. Uh, that gives me some concerns. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, I think you can expand that out to the rest of the team, both teams too, right? Both Miami and Boston, their star players are dealing with injuries right now. We mentioned that Miami is the more deep team, but in a really tough, tightly contested, uh, defensive, grinded out game, 
you rely on your best players to get you buckets, right? Yep. With Jimmy Butler is not that his same self, there aren't too many other players on that Miami team that you can really just give the ball and say, go score. Bam had a great game three, and he's capable of doing that at times, but for the course of an entire game taking it over like that, we haven't really seen that from him in his career. Tyler Hero is probably the only other guy on that team that you would really trust to manufacture his own offense, Um, whether it's outside shooting or getting to the basket. He's not going to play in this game. That's the one area where the Celtics do have an advantage because Jalen Brown has been big time for them in the postseason, and he's definitely shown that he is more than capable of taking over a game if Jason Tatum is either out or not playing well or injured. Yep, yep, I agree. Uh, the guy I'm really looking forward to or, or looking at on Miami is going to be Victor Oladipo. How effective can he be? He can definitely get his own shot. We saw how incredible of a player he was in Indiana before he uh, you know, got sidelined with the injury. I think he needs to step up big for them for them to win this game tonight. But uh, I, I'm siding with you. I, I think Boston takes game four. Uh, we head back to Miami for game five, which should be quite interesting. We'll see who's healthy. Uh, probably the healthier team wins game five, um, but it's going to be an exciting game tonight. We'll see what happens. I want to give a shout out to Matthew here. He says, we're the real MVPs uh, for streaming. Please don't leave town. Uh, Matthew, I am currently in Windsor. Calvin is still in Maui, so we're in different towns right now. It doesn't matter what town we're in. We're still going to hey, be streaming. Down, we're uh, we're going to continue to work this out. Unfortunately, we did start a little bit later today. Uh, I was dealing with some technical difficulties. Thank you guys for all your patience. I'm still trying to figure this all out. But I, I have a feeling, Calvin, by the end of this week, uh, we're going to have this thing set in stone uh, for mobile. And uh, we'll be able to stream no matter where we go. Any uh, last thoughts on, on any of these games, these series, before we open it up to Q&A? Uh, well, you know, unfortunately, I think the Western Conference Finals are, are all but over. Um, the Warriors are going to be back in the NBA Finals once again. So at this point, it's just a question of who is going to make it out of the East. Who, yep. who will survive all the injuries, you know, and make it out of that Eastern Conference Finals? Who do you think has a better shot against the Golden State Warriors? I think both teams actually have a reasonable shot for a lot of the same reasons and a couple different ones. First of all, they're both excellent team defensive teams. They can cover a lot of ground. They they are good at switching. They're good at uh, rotating, trapping, doubling, and still making it out to three-point shooters. When you play the Golden State Warriors, you have to be able – to defend all five guys for a full 24 seconds. It's a really difficult task to do, um, but Boston and Miami are two of the only teams in the NBA that have even a remote shot at doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also got you know obvious star power. Um, they're both deep teams. Miami is a little bit deeper. So I really think either Miami or Boston actually matches it up pretty decently against Golden State. Are you still sticking with your prediction that the Eastern Conference will win the NBA championship this year? As long as they are not too injury riddled, yes. I mean, unfortunately, this could be a lingering effect for the NBA Finals. If these injuries continue to pile up or somebody re-aggravates an injury, and the fact that both teams are dealing with a lot of injured players, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Warriors are really only missing one rotation one or two rotation guys right now. And, and Andre Iguodala announced earlier today that he expects to play in the NBA finals. If the Warriors are to advance, if the Warriors sweep as well, they could get a ton of extra rest yep. heading into that NBA finals. If this Miami Boston series ends up going seven games. So injuries are going to be a really, really key thing to watch for whoever ends up playing for the NBA title. Yeah, that's a really great point. Uh, you know, the Warriors, They've been there before. They've done that before. They seem to have a sense of urgency. They know to close out these series to uh, give their guys extra time to rest. Uh, Miami and Boston, like you said, is going to be a tougher series. It could potentially go to Game 7. And uh, that could have impact on the NBA Finals as far as injuries, uh, you know, ability, whether guys are tired, stuff like that. So it's definitely going to be interesting. What's up, Key Kings? Good to see you here. 
Calvin and I are streaming on the go. So hopefully you guys enjoy this. I think it's about time to open it up to Q&A. So if you guys have any questions, we got answers. Uh, and then uh, we'll wrap up the show, watch some basketball today, and, and we will be back tomorrow, same time, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or 12 p.m. noon, Hawaii Standard Time. All right. Matthew says, as a Kings fan, I do not need to be seeing Luca win a championship at age 23. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that. Uh, if you watched our last episode, I, I kind of aired some thoughts, some feelings on the Luka Doncic situation. I, I'm over it, man. It's it's in the past. He's not on the Kings. There's nothing I can do now. All, all I can do is sit back and watch the greatness that is Luka Doncic. Uh, but I get it. You know, watching him win a championship at age 23 is probably not the best for your mental state if you are a Kings fan. Uh, but hey, looks like they're going to lose the series here. So if, if you're a Kings and a Warriors fan, this is a win-win for you. Yeah, that's a great point, Barry. Uh, obviously, Kings fans are going to probably be upset or or uh, disappointed, you know, forever that the Kings didn't draft Luka Doncic. But Luka is, is a great player, and he's really young. He's going to be a great player for a long, long time. So if you don't get over it soon, you're going to be in a world of hurt for maybe the next 10 to 15 years. That's a very long time. Yeah, yeah, he is uh, definitely expected to be in the NBA for a while here. Uh, Cousins likes the Warriors, so I don't care if they win. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's tough. There, there's definitely a divide there, right, between uh, Warriors fans, Kings fans. Uh, just seeing... DeMarcus Cousins go to that Warriors team was absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, looking at it and like, wow, this team could be the best team of all time. Just two years ago, every single one of these players was on the all-star team and now they're all on the same team. We saw how that worked out. Uh, still a lot of harsh feelings uh, from Kings fans on Cousins and Luka Doncic and all these players. Guys, let's move on. We've made some good moves here. Uh, we just won the fourth pick in the NBA draft lottery. There's a bright future ahead. And uh, Key Kings wants to talk about an assistant coaching hire. Uh, Luke Locks uh, is joining Mike Brown's coaching staff. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Cal? Um, again, you know, I got to apologize to all, all you Kings fans out there, but I, I'm not well versed on who this guy is. I, I don't really. Um, put a ton of time and effort into keeping up on all the assistant coaches around the league. So I don't have much to offer at this point. Um, but I will say the same thing I said uh, last week when we were talking about Mike Brown filling out his staff. It, you have to feel good or you have to feel um, confident in Monty McNair with what he has done, his body of work so far. We're all trusting him that Mike Brown is going to be the right hire here, the right choice to lead this team. And that has to continue when you talk about Mike Brown filling out the rest of his staff. you got to trust that he's going to make the right decisions. He's been in the NBA a very, very long time. He knows a ton of coaches. He's got a lot of connections all around the league. I think he knows the type of players and the type of staff that he wants to build out this team. So, uh, you know, congratulations to Luke, and we'll hope that this is a, a great move for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I um, didn't think I would find myself happy when the coach hired another guy named Luke to go on their coaching staff. But, you know, you're right, Calvin. This is Mike Brown. This is a guy that's been coaching in the NBA for quite a while. He is a coach of the year. Uh, he does have connections. He's coached for multiple teams. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much of an impact an assistant coach really has on a roster it's hard to quantify it you know if you were to say Luke Walton was an assistant coach on the Warriors and when Kerr was out he became the head coach how many of those wins are on Kerr how many are on Luke Walton how many are on the players so it's really hard to quantify exactly how valuable an assistant coach is but we know this guy is an ex-NBA player or an ex-basketball player he is uh has connections with the Golden State Warriors he has connections with Mike Brown and you hit it right on the head. Monty hired his guy in Mike Brown. And Mike Brown, 
I think that this guy has known for a while that he planned on being an, a head coach again in the NBA. So these are probably guys that he's had connections with for a while. Uh, maybe a handshake agreement or, or just the fact that, you know, if I'm a head coach again, I like you. I want you on my staff. He definitely sees something in this guy, uh, something that will benefit the Kings. So uh, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm kind of a hands-off manager in terms of when I hire somebody that I trust and I believe in, I, I let them have the keys and drive the car. And I think that's exactly what Mike Brown's doing at this point. We're not going to know if us Kings fans really like this hire until probably halfway through the season or towards the end of the season. At that point, we might not still know, um, but just happy to see Mike Brown continuing to work here. Uh, he is currently with the Warriors, you know, about to go to the finals, and he's already building out his roster next season for the Sacramento Kings. So all good news uh, for us Kings fans. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I kind of view this the same way that uh, I view how everybody goes about their, drafting their fantasy football team, right? The day you do your draft, unless you have a, a shit ton of teams in your league, everybody's team looks good on paper, right? You get done with your draft and you're like, oh man, I, I landed yep. all these guys. I'm feeling great. Um, and then you get halfway through the season and you know half your team's hurt or one guy ends up not producing the way you thought it would and you totally have a different outlook. That That's the same position that that every team is in in the off season, you know, especially if they make coaching changes or master massive roster moves, mm -hmm. you feel good about a lot of those moves at the beginning. All of these assistant coaches in the league are highly qualified for their positions. Um, you know, they all bring different things to the table. They're all specialists in some way. They yep. have connections with the head coach in other ways. Um, so it all looks great right now. But it, we'll never know until they start playing games what it's the actual impact is going to be on the team. Yeah, and, and honestly, we don't even know how long this guy could be with the Kings, right? Like, we just hired an assistant coach from the Warriors who's been there for a while. Now he's moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, Luke could do the same thing, or he could end up being with the Kings here for, for quite a few years. So uh, we will see exactly what happens there. Thanks for watching, Matthew. Go have fun playing some Ultimate Frisbee. Not sure why you're taking a shower before uh, you go play <laughs> Ultimate Frisbee, but to each his own there. Uh, I generally, Calvin, don't take a shower when I'm on my way to the beach. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a friend that would take me fishing all the time, and he'd be like, what are you doing taking a shower before you go fishing? You're just going to get dirty. Um but you know that could you could take that both ways, right? You could take that too far, and every day I'm just going to get dirty while I take a shower. This is a long <laughs> yeah. rant, but have fun, Matthew. Appreciate you watching. Uh, Ivan says, "Excellent coaching staff that Brown has put together." Key Kings, how impactful is the Tim Connolly hire towards the Nuggets and the Wolves? You want to take that one, Calvin? I'm not sure if that's a rhetorical question or not. Um, I, I think it's a big deal, you know. Minnesota is an, an on the or up and up coming franchise, right? They've got a lot of young talent on that team. Finally got a coach in there that I think they they like and want to see continue moving forward. They expect to be getting better every year. Um, so th this is another move in, in the right direction for them. Yep. Yep. I agree. Progressive G says NFL assistant coaches. Um, are more significant than NBA assistant coaches? Maybe, maybe not. Um, the thing about coaches and coordinators is they have a little bit more power maybe in the NFL. And in the NFL, like every play matters more, right? Like maybe in basketball, you say, you know, every play matters in the last two minutes, maybe if it's a close game versus in the NFL, um, there are a lot more important plays, I think, during the game or during the middle of the game. I'm not sure if you're going to agree or disagree with me, Calvin, but what are your thoughts on, on NFL and NBA assistant coaches? It's incredibly different. They're such different games. I'm not really sure how you can compare uh, the impact that coaches have. The one thing I'll say is NFL coaches and coordinators are more uh, specialized, right? You have so many different personnel groups, different types of things that are happening on each individual play. You have to have all these extra guys uh, to make sure everyone's in the right position. Um, you know, so many different groups of players in one team. 
and, and they only play one side of the ball most of the time. And in the, in the NBA, every player does everything. So uh, an assistant coach maybe has to be a little more well-rounded than an NFL coach does um, until they get to a certain level. I just think it's really, really hard to compare the two. Definitely, definitely. All right, guys, it looks like we're going to wrap up the show here. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Please share this video with all your basketball friends. Hope you enjoy watching the Heat face the Celtics today. Uh, Calvin and I will be back tomorrow, same time. Uh, any last thoughts before we take off, Cal? Enjoy the game today. Happy Monday. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. And as always, don't forget to tip your bartender.